You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to talk to Cody Benjamin from CBS Sports. He's going to give us the latest uh, on what's going to be happening with a very different NFL draft in just a couple of weeks. And we'll talk about what the Eagles might do, uh, some potential trade scenarios involving the Birds, and a couple other things as well. But we're going to be uh, talking heavily about the draft coming up here in the next few minutes. And I'm going to take you around the NFC East as I do every week here on this fine podcast and let's start off in Dallas where there's not a whole lot of news coming out of the Cowboys camp right now they have been uh, conducting a lot of uh, online player interviews uh, mostly on the defensive side of the ball they've been looking at a couple of offensive players too but uh, still not really sure exactly what the Cowboys are going to do with their first round pick they've got a lot of flexibility they don't have uh, a ton of holes that they have to fill they really need the players that are already on the team to play better next year, but uh, certainly some improvements are going to be coming through the draft for them. Uh, One interesting uh, tidbit coming out of Dallas is that former wide receiver for the Cowboys, Des Bryant, has been working out with Dak Prescott this offseason, so I know a lot of us have our fingers crossed that maybe there's a Jason Witten-like return to the Cowboys for Des Bryant. Talking about the draft a little bit, because as we're going to hear from Cody in just a few minutes, it sounds like this draft is going to be all remote. Everybody doing it from their homes and trying to use Zoom, I guess, or one of the other teleconferencing or video conferencing pieces of software that are out there to do this. One advantage that the Cowboys have that Adam Schefter was reporting on, some other teams don't think this is fair, is that Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones are they're in the same family and they get to be together in the same home on draft day. I mean, look, is it a little bit of an advantage? Maybe it's a little bit of an advantage, but I don't love the Cowboys, as you well know, but it's it's not that it isn't fair. It's just it is what it is. And and how much of an advantage is 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 Jerry and Stephen being in the same room together really going to be? versus having having them in in separate houses. I mean th- this to me is a lot of a lot of nonsense that have been that's been going around. Anybody complaining about this is is a little bit on the ridiculous side. So um, not a big deal. Uh, Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones related to each other, father, son being in the same family, getting some kind of an advantage in the NFL draft. It's fine. I mean this is of all the things to worry about with the Dallas Cowboys, This is not one of them. There have been a lot of interesting reports coming out of Washington uh, with regard to our neighbors uh, down south from Philadelphia. And a lot of talk that Ron Rivera's trade of a fifth-round pick for former backup quarterback in Carolina Kyle Allen could mean that Dwayne Haskins' starting job is in jeopardy. A couple of analysts have been talking about this. You know, even Ron Rivera himself was, was asked about it on a conference call, and he said, based on... What's going to be happening this offseason with OTAs uh, possibly and and almost certainly getting canceled in a a shortened training camp that he said under that kind of a situation, Kyle would have a leg up on the quarterback situation most certainly. That's according to Ron Rivera. He said, if we were told, hey, you've got two weeks to go, 
I would feel very comfortable with Kyle because here's a guy that knows the system, has been in the system, and could handle it for us for a period of time, and we'll see how that goes. That's according to uh, Johnny Vrentis of SI.com. That's kind of the thought process process behind it for us. So even though Dwayne Haskins was on the team last year, you've got a new coach, a new regime that will be putting in a new offense, and they just went out and got a backup quarterback that had been with Ron, Ron Rivera for years. Not hard to read between the lines here that perhaps this Washington team is not in love with Dwayne Haskins, or at the very least that Ron Rivera is not enamored with Dwayne Haskins or convinced that he's the future. I, you makes you wonder what the Redskins are going to do with that number two overall pick. Do they go out and, and just and, and get Chase Young? Do they get the guy that they want? Do they get the impact defensive stud? Or do they use it on another quarterback? That would be an incredible waste of last year's first-round pick, obviously. But if you don't believe that Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback, and you're Ron Rivera, you're not the one who made that pick. That's not, you know, that's not on your ledger. You've got to, you've got to pick the guys for the team that you want and think is going to is going to win for you. If you don't think Dwayne Haskins is that guy, and you've got the number two overall pick in the draft. Do you use it on a quarterback? It's very interesting, but it certainly it certainly sounds like there is a scenario, a very real scenario, where Kyle Allen could start the season as Washington's quarterback, depending on how truncated the offseason is because of the coronavirus. Ron Rivera also was asked about trading down in the draft, and he said he wouldn't close the door, but said when you have a top five pick, uh, that player needs to be an immediate impact player that you're getting. And you know, if you're trading from two to number five, you're probably still getting that impact player. So what, whoever Washington gets with that number five pick is, is going to be impact. And I would not be at all surprised to see Washington trade down and pick up an extra third for moving down three or four spots in the first round of the draft, especially if there's a team that wants to move up and uh, and jump up in, in, in front of somebody like maybe the Detroit Lions want to want to jump up. And, you know, they, they don't want to maybe there's somebody that they that they want um, that it's just uh, it's it's kind of interesting exactly what the Lions might do although the Lions according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network have had discussions about potentially moving back in the draft because you you know that the Bengals are, have their guy Washington is has been sending sending signals that Chase Young is going to be the second pick so the Lions could move back a pick or two get something in return and still get a quarterback they could still get to it they could still get Justin Herbert so if anybody's willing to offer Detroit a, a, a ransom, a king's ransom for that number three overall pick, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them drop back to four or five, move back a spot, let somebody else jump up in front of them, and they can still get a quarterback if they want, or they can go in a completely different direction. But with Washington, uh, it sounds like they've got a lot of options, but the most likely is that they're just going to go ahead and they're going to take Chase Young with the number two overall pick. Washington has never been among the more creative teams in the NFL, and I don't see that changing here uh, over the next couple of weeks, especially with all the logistics of trading and moving down, moving up, and everybody doing this draft from home. It'll be interesting to see how this all works out with Washington. And Washington has not been getting high high marks for their offseason so so far, especially on offense. I uh, saw NBC Sports Washington, writer for them, uh, gave them a D for their offseason. They went hard after Amari Cooper. Give him credit for that. They did try to land the wide uh, the Cowboys wide receiver. They made a big offer. They made a big offer on Austin Hooper, the tight end for Atlanta, but eventually he went back to the Falcons. Um, instead, they, the, the Redskins had to go uh, bargain hunting at wide receiver and tight end. And even if you don't have a lot of confidence in Dwayne Haskins, he doesn't have a whole lot to work with there in Washington. So it's kind of hard for a guy to, to compete for a starting job when he doesn't have a whole lot of options at the skill positions. So uh, Washington's offseason has been uh, not not as dynamic as they were hoping it would be. Uh, and it'll be very interesting to see 
what they do here in the draft and what it means uh, for Dwayne Haskins. And as far as the New York Giants, a lot of smoke about Iowa offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs being the guy for them at number four overall. Lots of experience playing right tackle at Iowa. He'll step in and, and, and play right away. He says he's got tremendous physical tools. He's being compared to Trent Williams, who uh, obviously is uh, going to be leaving Washington after this uh, after this offseason. He can also play on the left side, so he can fill in there when necessary. So the Giants like his versatility. Uh, his head starting to edge above the the rest of the field there uh, for the Giants with the number four overall pick. So uh, not a lot of news coming out of the NFC East here this week. Uh, also, we didn't mention last week about Ronald Darby signing with Washington, but that'll be fun. As troublesome as the Eagles wide receiver situation is right now, at least one of those guys is going to match up against Ronald Darby. Uh, so so you'll like that matchup uh, if you're if you're anybody playing Washington and you get you get Ronald Darby uh, twice a year. So uh, maybe Alshon, maybe Deshaun gets a uh, a little bit of payback. And now Washington knows how the Eagles will have felt over the last couple of years. All right, well, up next, we're going to talk to Cody Benjamin from CBS Sports. We're going to get deep into the draft, the logistics about the draft. How is this whole thing going to work? We're going to talk about Yannick Ngakwe and a potential trade for him, whether the Eagles will move up, move down, and lots of other stuff. Alshon Jeffrey will, will come up, I'm sure. We'll, we'll talk about all of that. Up next with Cody Benjamin from CBS Sports, up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Well, we got the NFL draft coming up here in just a couple of weeks, and it's going to be a weird one. Uh, you know that by now, that nothing is normal in the world of sports at the moment. But uh, we got to talk about the draft because it is coming. It is coming fast. And uh, we'll talk about the Eagles a little bit, too, here, what the what they might have cooking in the next couple of weeks. And I've got Cody Benjamin from CBS Sports joining me to chat about this for the next few minutes. You can follow Cody on Twitter at Cody J. Benjamin. Cody, thanks for coming on. How you doing? I'm doing great, John. It's great to be with you. Great to be with uh, BGM Radio. I'm excited to talk with you this morning. Yeah, we're. Good. I'm excited to talk to you too. I, I was been I've been wanting to get you on for a little while, and uh, seems like the, a great time to do that. You wrote a piece about uh, Yannick uh, Ngakwe uh, a couple days ago, and I want to get to that here in just a second. But first, let's talk about the draft because, like I said, it's going to be weird. Uh, it's just yeah. not going to be like anything we've ever experienced before. We know that there's not going to be fans there gathered around booing draft picks or cheer, whatever, whatever is going to go down. And even the way the teams are having to get together to make these draft picks, based on what I've read, it sounds basically like your your most organized fantasy football draft with your buddies where everybody's in a different location. Can you just kind of lay out for us what is what is going to happen here at the NFL draft, uh, logistically speaking, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think you put it um, or you hit the nail on the head there with that description. I think, honestly, the NFL is trying to figure this out and they're still figuring it out as we go. You know, I think um, the fact that we are just a few weeks away from this thing kicking off and they're still figuring out um, whether this is going to be a simulcast, you know, the the NFL Network and ESPN studios or the studio talent kind of working together in the same spot. And it's it's being finalized. But the fact that it's not ironed out right now, I mean, the NFL, I mean, the way that they operate, you know, they have these things planned and booked and, and organized logistically a year or more in advance. And so this is really a truly an on the fly operation right now. And you know, we see that just based on the reports we've gotten about um, the NFL planning a, a mock draft, essentially, um, with all 32 teams running through the process, how it works. You know, we've had some coaches uh, express concerns about the possibility of hacking going on during the draft. We've had others say, you know, there should be three extra rounds. Um, mm -hmm. And so the fact that that's being floated out weeks ahead of the draft, I mean, I think 
speaks to just the unprecedented amount of uncertainty. But I think, you know, I I personally am not overly worried about the, the process or the draft itself unfolding uh, in a bad way. I mean, I think, you know, we have to realize, um, you know, yes, they were using old-fashioned telephones to make uh, selections during the actual draft, but you know, these general managers, they've used smartphones, they've used email. I mean, uh, so many trade talks and things happen the way that we think, you know, modern technology works. And so, yes, I'm sure there'll be some stumbling, uh, some stumbles, some hiccups, but um, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how it looks all done virtually. I know just another example of things changing on the fly. The NFL, you know, as of a week ago was planning on 32 team facilities uh, being shown on video and just having, you know, a, a single uh, representative at each facility. I mean, that's not going to happen. It's all going to be from home. And so it's still changing as far as the actual presentation goes. I mean, ESPN, NFL Network, they're smart enough to make it work. Yeah, because basically what what you see on TV are the broadcasters and they're just they're relaying the information. Uh, they're they're showing you tape of the players as they're drafted. They're all just speculating. And, and whether they're in the same studio or not, my guess is you won't have as many analysts maybe this time around or maybe you will. in in two or three different studios, again, if you're talking about between two different networks, simulcasting, sharing the coverage. That can work. But ordinarily speaking, when when you talk to coaches after they make a draft, it's usually on a tele a video conference anyway. Yeah. You don't you don't really get to spend a lot of time inside the war rooms. Maybe and, you get a brief camera. This is more logistically speaking for for the teams themselves who ordinarily might have what, 10, 12 people in a draft room all all talking together, going through their board. Now they probably just have to do that through Zoom. And yeah. as we've as we've all experienced here who have gone from working in an office to working from home, you can do some things like this through Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, and I do I do think there definitely is value to being able to be in person. I mean it just takes away, you know, not so much the the concern of the internet going out or whatever, but just you know, the fact that you're face to face, you get to, um, it's just, it's a smoother, I mean, we're meant to talk to each other. We have physical bodies. And so I understand the, uh, the difference there, but yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's just, it's just one little extra layer. Um, and it is for the teams more so than the broadcast. I mean, think about, you know, something that just came to mind while we're talking about this is, you know, how many times do we have Ian Rappaport or NFL Network or ESPN breaking a pick before it's even announced. I mean, th those guys are doing that strictly through social media, smartphones, texting with guys. I mean, these are, so that, that side of things is not going to be affected. It is, like you said, it's just the difference between having 10, 15 guys in a room and, and being able to, to look at your head coach and the general manager and say, hey, do we want to go with this guy right now? Or do we want to pull the trigger on this trade? Instead, that has to happen over, and, and I know they talked about having a 32-team a open Zoom conference call throughout the draft. Um, oh. And so hopefully, you know, those guys' mics are muted um, at some time. <laughs> yeah. But, I, I, I mean, there's going to be ways to get in touch with somebody if you want to. It's just one extra step rather than being in person. And I know there was some talk about allowing teams to call a timeout due to the more complicated nature of, of this year's draft. But uh, from what I heard from Mike Garofolo on the NFL Network, it appears that that's not going to happen. But, you know, there is the possibility that someone's Internet goes out, that there are technical problems. And I, I, I'm guessing that there will be a little bit more leeway this year than in past years for, for something like that. Yeah, um, I was um, on the uh, conference call that the NFL did, uh, I think it was about a week ago, when they were discussing 
some logistics and they had Troy Vincent, um, Eagles, you know, fans know him well. Um, mm-hmm. oh yeah. He was discussing that possibility of specifically a time, not, not a timeout, but an extension of time for, um, a trade that's trying to be processed. And so, you know, we've seen teams mess up trades even when they're not on the clock, um, not getting the paperwork on in, in time and, and what have you. And so I think, the purpose there was, you know, if you've got the Eagles and, and the Bills trying to make a trade while they're on the clock and something just doesn't get done because of technical difficulties or because, you know, because of the uh, difficulty with communication, that there'd be a possible extension there. Now, I don't know how they're going to decide uh, whether this team deserves to get that at this time or not, or whether that's going to be into effect um, or put into effect. But I know that that's uh, been discussed. Well, it's going to be very interesting, and and as a fan watching on TV, may, we we might not notice a whole lot of difference other than the fact that it's going to be a little bit more old school because they didn't used to have the draft in front of a huge crowd of people. Right. You know, back when ESPN first started televising these things, it was all a studio based program, and it won't be quite as interesting. You won't see the the Jets fans and hard hats and and all that stuff in the stands, yeah. but you will. You know, teams will make tra- will make draft picks. Teams will make trades. It'll get reported. You'll see Mel Kiper ranting and raving about who and Todd mm-hmm. McShay talking about whatever p- player got picked and how they're going to be the next Gale Sayers. And that's just how that's just how this is going to go. But uh, it will be very interesting to see how these teams negotiate things like draft day trades. And, and, and I mean, that's the other thing, too. As I think about it, how did teams negotiate trades in previous seasons on the phone? Right. I mean. You call somebody up on the phone, you know, what do you want for the number four pick? Well, all right, I'll move down to six. You know, I've got I've got six. What else do you want? You know, right. that, that can't be that difficult to do over the phone. And you know what? I mean, the reality is, um, you know, I think another side of this that's, um, you know, more so than these the draft day logistics, whether it's the broadcast team or the NFL teams, um, I think the biggest thing that maybe took a hit was the pre-draft evaluation process, being able to, and they can still meet with these prospects, you know, online. But uh, to be able to go to a pro day, I guess, get your, your scout's eyes on a physical, you know, a guy physically working out. Um, but at the end of the day, um, like you said, whether you're negotiating a trade over the phone, whether you're doing it over email, whether you're writing a handwritten letter to another NFL team, I mean, the good teams are going to figure out a way to get it done. And I know that, you know, yes, you can. I'm sure there's going to be teams that are blaming the logistics on bad decisions that we realize were bad decisions in a, in two or three years. But, uh, you know, a, a team, by this point in the process, I mean, your scouts should already have a decent idea of, of who you might want. Um, if this guy falls, you're going to be looking at him. I mean, the coronavirus didn't really impact sports and society as a whole, at least in America, until we're talking uh, about a month ago. Um, and so... You know, they have scouts working year round. And so, you know, and they got the combine in before it all went down. Yeah. I mean, and and some people would argue that, you know, what's done at the combine shouldn't affect the guy's status as much, you know, depending on your evaluation yeah. of them. So I think at the end of the day, yes, um, there's going to be logistical challenges. But, you know, I think it's going to happen. The teams that are prepared are going to be prepared. All right, well, you wrote a piece this week about Yannick Ngakwe and some of the rumors going around uh, about him because he's the guy that I think everybody is talking about. If there's going to be a big player that's moved at some point before the draft, it would be Ngakwe. He's making a lot of noise about wanting to get out of Jacksonville. Obviously, he's been linked to the Eagles quite a bit. I wrote a piece for Bleeding Green Nation last week about the pros and cons of trading for him. 
What are the chances you think he does get moved by Jacksonville? And if he does get moved by Jacksonville, what odds do you think it would be that he lands in Philadelphia? Yeah, uh, first of all, I guess I would echo um, the reporting that has come um, from some of the colleagues at CBS. And so Jason Lockenfora and Pete Prisco, um, Prisco in particular has been, you know, he's been fairly plugged into the Jacksonville um, beat for a long time. And so, you know, he's pretty adamant and, and Adam Schefter at ESPN has echoed this as well, that, you know, Jaguars ownership does not want to make a move. And obviously we heard the same kind of sentiment um, with Jalen Ramsey uh, last season. And obviously, you know, you're not going to say publicly that you want to move the guy. Um, but I think the case here is is not even just that um, they're willing to, uh, I guess, you know, any any player can be had at a, at a, at a certain price. Um, but I, I think that it is very clear that, that Jaguars ownership and leadership would prefer he stays. But we've seen you know, he, he's gone out in not so subtle ways to say he doesn't want to be part of the Jaguars. So I think there is a decent chance, more than a decent chance he's moved. And I think Adam Schefter kind of touched on this as well um, this week, just that, you know, at the end of the day, you might want to keep him, but, you know, at, at some point it's just going to become a mess that you don't want to deal with. I mean, um, if you can get a draft pick, a high premium draft pick or two for him, uh, you're already in a rebuild stage. It might become inevitable. As far as the Eagles, before the Darius Slay trade, I think it would have been a lot more likely. And that's, you know, that's a simple thing to say, I guess, because they gave up two draft picks. But at this point, they've already cut their draft capital down a little bit for this year. Um, they gave up, uh, you know, a, a good contract and good picks for a defensive player. Almost all of their additions this offseason have been tailored to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, would Howie Roseman love to acquire a young Ascending pass rusher, I think that's absolutely um, true. But I think the New York Giants, I think the potentially the Raiders, um, I know they were listed as kind of teams that have been speculated as well. I think there's other teams that would be willing to pay a higher price. And other people in the Philadelphia media have, have said that, so I'm not saying anything uh, new. But I just think I would be surprised if Nagakwe is uh, an eagle. Uh, but I do yeah. think... I, I do think he could be moved, and if it happens, it's likely to happen on draft day. Yeah, and I think it's got to be, you've got, the price has to be at least one first-round pick. I mean, Jalen Ramsey costs two first-round picks, and, you know, and, and Gakwe may not draw quite as much as, as Ramsey did, but, I mean, you're talking about a ridiculously good player. The, the conclusion I came to is that if it requires a first-round pick, there's more negative to it than positive for the Eagles to pull it off for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, the fact that they've yeah. already lost some of their draft capital in the Slay trade. And I think, sounds to me, based on what I've read from a lot of the same places you've read, is that we're talking about maybe Howie would be willing to give up a second-rounder or something like that. And I wonder if a first-rounder in next year's draft might get it done. I, I, I would think maybe Howie might be willing to do something like that, a first-rounder next year. I don't know why a first-rounder next year would be any less valuable than a first-rounder this year, but a bird in the hand, you know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of... Players always, I mean, teams always value this year's picks more than next year's picks just for for like a deferred uh, deferred pain, I guess, is, sure. is kind of the way they look at it. I mean, I think, you know, when we, when we look at Howie's history, the, the way that he likes to build, I mean, defensive end, pass rusher is, is a priority. It always has been. Um, you know, they've taken swings there at the top of the draft before. You've got Brandon Graham getting up there. I mean, Derek Barnett probably not going anywhere because of the Jim Schwartz affection um yep. i mean but so yeah i mean if you were to say you could get 
Ngakwe um, for, you know, you could get an, a talent of his caliber as a first round pick next year. You know, that that would make sense. You know, you could you could see a scenario where Howie Roseman drafts a defensive end with their first round pick next year. And so maybe that is worth giving up for a guy who's already, you know, logged eight sacks every year that he's played. Um, he's still very young. He wants to play somewhere else. But yeah, as far as this year, I think that that's really the that's where we're trying to um, to figure out. There's a middle ground here where I think, and Pete Prisco has said this. You know, you just said it the same thing. But the Jaguars probably want to start with a first round pick because that's what they got for Ramsey. I mean, Ngakwe is a similar caliber Pro Bowl defender with a you know on his rookie deal. Um, they want to start there, and then I, I know our uh, Jason Lockenfora has said. You know, he doesn't think any team's going to do that. He thinks it'd be more like a two and a three that would get it done. And so that's, Mm. it's kind of, uh, you know, somebody has to find that sweet spot. And I think it is true that when a team is on the clock, that kind of, that kind of pressure intensifies because all of a sudden you've got a chance to, you know, you've got them uh, right there ready to make that pick. And maybe this is the time where you have to strike. So again, I think as far as the Eagles connection, I think it's unlikely, but I think you you pose a, a pretty, um, I don't know, intriguing scenario there as far as next year's first round pick or next year's second and a fourth or something like that, if the Jaguars are willing to listen. Because, you know, I mean, hey, you know, who knows how the Eagles finish this year? Maybe maybe next year's first round pick is a, a better first round pick. We never right. want to consider that because that means they've had a losing season this year. But, um, you know, it's interesting what the Eagles will do. I think they are going to keep their first round pick this year. And so a lot of speculation about what they're going to do in the first round. And just about everybody thinks that the Eagles are going to take a wide receiver here because they didn't do anything to address the wide receiver situation in the offseason through free agency or through trades. Uh, The Alshon Jeffrey situation is still kind of in the air. A lot of rumors this week that the Eagles had been looking to trade Jeffrey as long ago as last October, which is just astonishing to think about. But it doesn't sound like he's getting moved anytime soon because of his injury situation. And, uh, and and his price tag. So sounds like Alshon and Deshaun and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and Greg Ward are going to be part of this wide receiver core in, in 2020, unless you're hearing something different. But I think most of us are looking at the first round pick here as as kind of needing to be a wide receiver. And I'm not usually in favor of specifically targeting one position in the draft. You want to get the best player you possibly can. And the Eagles do have other needs at linebacker and at safety. But just based on what you're hearing, what what you've read, where, I mean, where, are you, where do you think the Eagles are going here in the first round? Is it is it going to be a wide receiver? Is there a chance they move up to get one of the big three wide receivers or possibly trade down because it's a deep wide receiver draft class? I just think my the one thing that I believe is that um, – Howie Roseman is is unpredictable, and I think that you know he, you can never rule anything out as far as um, especially addressing wide receiver. I think the one thing I would predict is that he's not done, and that means that uh, that whether it's a trade up, whether it's a trade for a veteran during the draft, right before or right after, um, you know, we saw the way they assembled the 2017 team. Some of those moves that really paid off, you know. After the 2017 draft, they still needed uh, cornerback help pretty badly, and it wasn't until right before um, that season started uh, that they acquired Ronald Darby from the Bills, and that was a pretty big deal at the time. I know now yeah. it's you know Ronald Darby's kind of just you know free agent leftover, but at the time that was a pretty uh, substantial move. I mean, there was draft compensation involved. What I'm trying to get at is that I think you know if it's 
I just wouldn't rule out um, a big move that's still yet to come. And that's just, uh, you know, it could be a move up for Henry Ruggs. It could be um, a trade back, but we also acquire uh, Curtis Samuel from the Panthers or or Brandon Cooks from the Rams. I mean, it's just I hesitate to believe that he's going to go into the season with this current group and just a wide receiver, a rookie wide receiver at 21. Now, does that involve Jeffrey? I don't know. Does it involve Deshaun? I definitely, I think it will. But yeah, I just think, you know, Howie Roseman, often the Eagles, uh, you know, they're floated around with every big name that's available, but it's, it's almost more like, or more often that Howie Roseman kind of pulls out this guy, this veteran that no one was thinking of. Um, I think that there's more moves to be made than just picking one at 21. I don't know if that answered your question. No, um, I think that's I think that's right because I mean it, it, there's so many different different ways and different directions the Eagles could go here. I I can make a great argument for the Eagles moving up to get one of the big three. If if the Eagles feel that Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs, I don't think C.D. Lamb's going to be anywhere close to where the Eagles can 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 move up to get him. But if if Judy or um or or Ruggs is available and you got to move up like four or five spots to get him. It's going to cost you for sure. It's going to cost you. But if you feel like those guys are are more ready to jump in and be a starting wide receiver right away, I think that's more important. If this if this NFL season starts on time, given the fact you're not going to have OTAs, given the fact we don't know what training camp is going to look like, a lot of these rookies are going to struggle here in their first season because they're not going to have as much lead in time. They're not going to have as much work at the team facility with the players and all of that before the regular season starts. So for me, I this is one of those times when I would want to go get the if there's a receiver I'm more sure about being a a potential star player and I can move up four or five spots to get him that's my move as opposed to moving back and maybe taking Justin Jefferson who who could be a very very good player in in the league but you know might not have the impact right away because he he's kind of a hybrid guy. Nobody knows if he's going to be mostly slot, mostly outside, a combination of both. How you work that in uh, with the with the Eagles' offensive game plan? For me, moving up to get one of those big three guys, who I feel personally more sure about making an impact at the NFL in, in the NFL right away, would make more sense given the state of uncertainty that we're in right now. Yeah, it's all about your evaluation. I mean, if you think uh, if you think Jerry Judy is the next, you know, Antonio Brown, not off the field, obviously, but right. the way he runs the routes and the way he can he, he, you can plug him in and he can be your number one, then yeah, I think there's merit to that. If you feel that it's closer between those top three and the next three to five, um, maybe you uh, trade back a few spots. You get a KJ Hamler, you get a Denzel. Man, you know, I, there's so many options, but yeah, I, I do think as a whole. Um, not just for the Eagles, but we are underestimating, um, I think, the possibility of just such an abbreviated offseason um, in, in the run-up to, to the season. I know that there's talk of, you know, will the season start on time? Even if it starts on time, I mean, it just seems um, far-fetched to me, at least from talking to, um, you know, whether it's team personnel, whether it's agents, whether it's just other media um, it seems far-fetched to me that there's even going to be a full training camp. Um, right. And so even with these rookies, I mean, if you're, you might be really sure of a guy like Jerry Judy, but he's still, you know, he's never played in the NFL. He's never had a, an offseason. He's never had a training camp. Um, he's never learned a pro, a pro system. And so I don't know what training camp's going to look like. It could be a few weeks in August. Um, you know, maybe it's a week uh, of practice in September. They push it back. You know, I just think we're underestimating a little bit 
you know, we've talked so much this offseason about this edition and that edition, and it's fun to project, oh, what's Darius Slay going to look like on the outside? Um, what's Justin Jefferson going to do if he gets drafted and plays in the slot? But all of this is assuming that things go on as planned. Um, and so there's there's just so much uncertainty that goes with that. And, and you saying that just it popped into my head. May, maybe that's part of the calculation the Eagles are making with keeping Alshon Jeffrey around is he knows the system. He's been in he's been with the team for for the last three years. Uh, this will be his fourth season with the team. Keeping him around, keeping as many of the guys from last season around means you don't have to to integrate. It's not as it's not as important to integrate somebody new, say a rookie that 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 you might draft. I still would have gone out and I would have gotten a, a free agent this offseason, an NFL player yeah. who has experience in the league. But you know, may, maybe that is maybe that's one of the good things about having a guy like Alshon Jeffrey around. Still, is he knows the system, he knows the team. There's not going to be any of that learning process that he's going to miss out in OTAs or an abbreviated camp. Yeah, I mean, I think the general consensus is probably still that, you know, Howie's dream scenario, I guess, would be that he gets healthy and he's able to unload him. And I think, uh, but and this is just personally speaking, I, I think that. Um, you know, how are we trying to unload Al- Alshon, whether that was October of last year or whether it's right now? I mean, I still think that's j- personally, I think it's Howie just being more shrewd, more trying to take advantage of saving some money, getting something for an aging wide receiver than it is him trying to get him out of the locker room. Um, I-, I know that there's been, you know, there's been tons of talk and that's, that's the juicy stuff. We like to talk about the, uh, yeah. the anonymous sources stuff, but I just personally and, and from talking with, um, you know, I talked with Joel Corey, um, contributes to CBS Sports, former agent and, and cap expert. And, you know, I asked him about it as well. And just, you know, if Howie Roseman was was desperate to get Alshon Jeffrey out of the locker room because he's that much of a problem, I mean, he, he probably would have just cut him by now if he was that right. desperate. And right. so, yes, he may be trying to hold out uh, hope for a trade, but I, I think that's more in line with just trying to be smart and, and get something for an aging receiver that has not been that great when he's been healthy. But I do agree with you. You know, one of Alshon's last full games, he caught, I think it was nine balls, a hundred plus yards, at least one touchdown from Carson Wentz during the Dolphins game. You know, it wasn't like Carson Wentz wasn't looking for him. It wasn't right. like he wasn't hitting him. I mean, if Alshon Jeffrey's healthy, and that's a huge if, but I think if he's healthy, he's not bad. And, and, you know, Again, if if he can line up, let's say we're we're going into week one, even if if it's pushed back, all the better for the Eagles because it gives them more time to get healthy. Right. Let's say it's October, week one, and you have Alshon out there, you have uh, Deshaun on the other side, you have Justin Jefferson in the slot, or maybe KJ Hamler there. I don't think that's the worst situation in the world, especially if you maybe add another receiver. You still got Arthega Whiteside um, to develop. You've got uh, Greg Ward to step in. I mean. I don't want to spin it as uh, the Eagles are fine at receiver because I do think they de- they need more than a rookie. But I think there's merit to uh, at least more merit than a lot of fans or media members give it uh, to the idea that uh, Jeffrey could contribute. Well, Cody, this offseason just gets more and more interesting day by day, and this is going to be a super interesting draft, especially on from the Eagles' point of view, but uh, just overall, what teams are going to do, how they're going to handle this, and I'm sure the NFL isn't done making announcements about how the draft is, is going to go down. So, folks, make sure you are reading Cody Benjamin's work at CBSSports.com. Follow Cody on Twitter for everything he's writing about and tweeting about at Cody J. Benjamin. Cody, thanks for coming on 
uh, eye on the enemy. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And that'll do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Again, my thanks to Cody Benjamin for coming on the podcast. And just a reminder, folks, to subscribe to all of the Bleeding Green Nation podcasts. Leave the five-star ratings. They help us, especially during these times when uh, maybe, you know, the football folks, you folks have been continuing to come out and support BGN Radio like mad. The, the BGN Radio crowd never goes away. So uh, definitely thank you for continuing uh, to uh, to come back and, and hear our thoughts on the draft and, and free agency and, and all of that. And make sure to check out uh, our other friends here uh, with the other Philadelphia sites. Of course, uh, the Phillies um, uh, uh, podcast uh, network that, uh, that I'm also a part of, The Good Fight. Make sure you check them out. Uh, Broad Street Hockey for the Flyers and Liberty Ballers for the NBA. Um, any, any love you can give to our other Philly friends uh, would be most appreciated as uh, we are all hungry for some sports to return here in 2020. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will talk to you next time right here on Eye on the Enemy. <laughs>